there's something about us being artists and creative types. There's an urge to create, and if you don't acknowledge that urge, it's just gonna build up and it's gonna explode, right? And so you you would fear getting started on a project until a certain point and go, you know, damn it, I'm gonna do it. I- I'm just gonna mm. I'm gonna just try making something, you know, and. Just take baby steps. If it sounds terrible, fine. You know, you're just sharing it among like some other producer friends. And so, the other thing that I find it's extremely helpful is, is just to be part of a community. And when you find that you're in a community, you're more、um, able to take those steps to overcome your fears, to kind of share stuff that just sounds terrible. But who cares? Because we're all sharing stuff that sounds terrible. You know, you find that as you grow together,、uh, you get better. You know, you just keep creating, you get better. Welcome everybody to the Baking Notes, Notes Podcast. Woo! We got a Faking Fan feature today. Faking Fan feature, and we are featuring Aunt Shay. He is one of our longest listeners. One of our most、uh, active Discord members, a generous Patreon supporter, and just an incredible human being. This conversation was so valuable because I learned or relearned like what it takes to be great at so many different things. He talks about learning new skills and overcoming failure and trying new things. And so he was already such a fascinating individual. Getting to Know him、uh, over Discord and seeing him in, interact with some of our other guests like Bad Snacks and seeing his music—he's dropping stuff on Spotify. Then just to learn, he's an infectious disease expert.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he's an MD and he's done all these other fascinating things in both the physical world and the digital world. So he's a perfect faking fam guest. We're talking about failures and how to overcome them, making things fun, going out and learning new things. We we dip in our toe as always into a little bit of、uh, blockchain at the end and what that means for our faking fam, and then we talk about the support system.、So、he's got three teenagers. He's got a loving, supportive wife,、mm-hmm. and he's doing all these things, all these amazing things across the whole spectrum of his life. And he's still out there learning. He's still out there creating, and he's still being a critical part of the faking notes family. So, Anche, we love having you in here. And if you want to join him and speak with him, you can do so through our Discord, <laughs> and you can also contribute just like Anche to our Patreon. So、uh, use him as a model. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and if there's nothing that you get from this conversation, I want you to understand that it's never too late to start learning that thing that you've always wanted to learn, because. You're worth it, and you will always thank yourself at the end of the day. It's a great episode. Without further ado, our next guest, Faking Fam feature, Aunt Shay. Aunt Shay. OG Faking Fam. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast. Wow! Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for the invite. It's our pleasure, man. Like it's it's been such a pleasure, you know, having such an active member of the Faking Fam, 
you know, engaging with everybody, asking questions. We have a lot of like younger people that are just in high school or just about to graduate um, who are asking questions about career and stuff. And I love how you step in and guide them and, and ask questions and make them feel seen. It's just so valuable. You're such a wonderful member of our community. We, we appreciate you. Yeah, it's been it's been fun part of the Discord. And uh, I've been listening to Faking Notes podcast. It's almost going to be two years. Whoa. Yeah, so I'm definitely faking fam. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> yeah, but I might no be I might be the oldest guy in the whole Discord. I'm I'm kind of like the oldest guy in a lot of Discords. <laughs> What's that like, man? Cuz yeah, there are a lot of people like my mom included that just don't even know how to do FaceTime. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it's it's been great. You know, when when you're online, you age almost doesn't really matter too much. You know, it's it's what's your thought, you know, your interests, your thoughts, and who you are as a person. So I, I don't find that it, age has been a barrier. And I, I've been very honored to make a lot of friends online and, and meet some of them in person as well. We're so happy to have you on because of those aspects, you both have a fascinating and growing presence in the digital space, in the digital world, where it's kind of free of that age, but also <laughs> you've had quite a life and done a lot of really fascinating things in the physical world up until this point, which is kind of just amazing. You'd be like, wow, this guy is going out, he's part of the community, he's making beats, he's releasing music videos. And then you it's like, wait, he does what for a career? He's got a family? <laughs> He's got he's got kids like he's he's done all these other things like how does he do it all so could you just briefly describe your job as it were and how has the past two years been for you <laughs> yeah no problem so just a little self introduction so yeah. uh, my name is Anthony you know I'm known online as Aunt Shay I wear a lot of hats uh, I'm a semi retired physician I specialize in infectious diseases yeah I have three teenage kids whom I love and I'm <laughs> happily married for 20 years now. Oh, so, congratulations. Yeah, yeah. So I really do feel like I've lived a uh, many lifetimes. And just like the rest of you guys, when the pandemic hit, it really changed my life and it really allowed me to explore some new things because we were all like in quarantine and all that, and myself included. I had to go to work, but I was also quarantined. So it just opened a, a lot of opportunities to try new things. And that's one of the models of my life is I'm going to just try new things. I don't care how old I am. If something looks in looks interesting, I'm just going to go for it and learn about it. That is like the personification. You yeah. are the <laughs> essence of our motto, uh, faking notes. You know what I mean? It's like, it's to continually learn. You have to kind of get out of the way and like be okay with being new at things, which is something that is really difficult the longer you, you, you are on this earth. And so how do you, like in your mind, how do you frame that discomfort and how you deal with the discomfort of being new at something and not being like necessarily good at it and what sort of wisdom you could pass forward. Right. You know, when I look at something that say YouTube or music production or learning to play the guitar, whatever it is, mm -hmm. I start with just watching and observing. And when something looks interesting, the way I think I just go, I'm just going to try that, you know, I think I can do that and just takes <laughs> all it takes is baby steps and just going for it, you know? And so it's really no secret. It's just, that's been my approach. I grew up playing the violin. I was one of those kids that the parents made me play when I was four 
and I hated it. I quit. <laughs> and this is in Taiwan. I, I'm I'm from Taiwan originally, but I came to the U.S. But somewhere along elementary school, I I um, I got a hold of a Tchaikovsky's Violin Concerto, a recording by Kyung Wat Chung, and I just fell in love with it. And I listened to it over and over again, and I couldn't play it, but I just wanted to try. And so I would fake it. I I would <laughs> I would have it playing on a cassette, and I would just play along with it. And I couldn't hit the notes, but I could just fake the runs. You know, and so, so even as a kid, like w- when something interests me, I, I just want to learn about it and I want to try it. And same thing with music production. You know, um, two years ago, I was just driving to a ski trip and I came across Bad Snacks music. She's been a, a guest on the show. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. I just, mm-hmm. it just blew my mind. And, and I'm like, well, how do you, how do you make this kind of music? You know? Mm-hmm. I thought I've heard it all, but I was like, well, how do you make electronic music? And so she has like YouTube videos and she has tutorial and she literally breaks down how she makes one of these. And when I watch that and I go, I can do that. I think I can do that. And just step by step, just trying and following her instructions. And I actually made a video of my process the first time I used Ableton. So that was like two years ago. Wow. It's incredible to see this type of growth and to witness someone who's been faking notes for a a long time (laughs) and going out and doing all these things. I'm curious because I don't imagine that the, the pie chart between music video making beat makers and infectious disease uh, experts is like (laughs) that, that big of a circle, but am I, am I missing out? Is there a secret discord uh, of no. infectious disease exports and beat makers where you unite. No, no, but there there may be a relation with physicians and music because the discipline that you require, especially in classical music, the discipline that you need to get good at your craft and the time that you need to really practice and, and study and hone your skills, I mean, that's very applicable in the medical field. So I think a lot of physician colleagues, we, we have that music background. You know, in fact, there are physician orchestras out there too. So it's the same kind of mentality. You know, it's like just being very driven, being dedicated, being methodical and going for it. I love that. I love I've that. seen a bunch of those, like all kind of all throughout the country. I even remember back in North Carolina, other than the regional orchestras and the North Carolina Symphony and something to get paid, there's not that many opportunities at all for adults or amateurs or second career musicians or even younger people post-school to play in an orchestra. And one of the few was a reading orchestra that was associated with doctors. It was, I think, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but it was right there in Raleigh. There's tons of doctors there. I think it was affiliated maybe with Duke or something like that. Mm -hmm. But these orchestras where it's filled with all these medical professionals, and it was great for me, because a lot of these pieces I'd want to play, we don't get to in college. There's different things you have to do. But just to even go through and do readings with these groups was really fun. The first and only time probably that I got to play the Rite of Spring was mm-hmm. with a bunch of doctors. And what an experience that was. <laughs> it's a really hard piece to, to, you know, just like hop in and casually play. But it was a really neat opportunity. And it was also fun to be surrounded by people who were there by choice. They wanted to do a good job. It was still fun. It was a break for all of them, an opportunity for them to make music, but to witness other people who haven't been like kind of stuck with some of the, like the negative things we talk about with the music career. They haven't quite been beat down by that. They've been beat down by another field, uh, but <laughs> to kind of see experts and people 
uh, still approaching the music methodically and with seriousness, but who didn't have the issues that kind of came with the negative side effects of music. It was just fun to see. Yeah, I mean, music has always been a big part of my life, and uh, you you need that outlet, you know, because for what I do professionally as a physician, it's all serious. I'm talking life and death things. I take care of people in the ICU. I have to break bad news, and so it, it's very difficult. And people burn out. And in fact, I that's what happened to me. I I gave medicine my heart and soul for about 15 years, and I just got to a point where I couldn't do it anymore. You know, I, I felt burnt out. And so I wanted to leave completely, but I was lucky that my uh, chief said, you know, why don't you work part-time for us? Don't don't leave completely, work part-time. And I did that. And now I, I basically work about three days a week and I have four days off to mess with things like music and music production <laughs> or video production. Uh, it's been great to have that balance, but it's definitely an outlet and we we, we need that. I don't know if you know this, but like my girlfriend is an emergency medical resident at UCLA. Oh, wow. And great. So, yeah. So I hear a lot of these same things on a daily basis when I, when we talk about the work. And I'm kind of wondering, like, what sort of advice would you have for people that are feeling that burnout? Is the answer to kind of like step away and, and find something new? Like, does your like beat making journey begin with this feeling of burnout or was it something that you kind of been doing along the side as your refuge i'm just curious yeah so i mean when i first stepped away from medicine i i explored different things you know i was into gardening for a while mm. i was growing veggies in my backyard tomato mm. bok choy and all that so that that was something i started getting into electric guitar because mm. you know playing violin growing up a lot of times you felt like you're just playing for grandpas and grandmas and your <laughs> friends didn't really think it was cool and so i always wanted to be that cool kid that rocked out on the guitar so <laughs> so um yeah so i i got into guitar and i got really into that and naturally you just watch a lot of youtube videos and when i when i saw that i'm like i want to make a youtube video i want to make some youtube videos so i was able to make a couple of unboxing videos and product demos and those just took off right so really yeah so that was kind of my journey i just tried different things and then music production definitely was more of a recent thing in fact for the longest time i was just a, a consumer i didn't really feel like i was a producer you know mm. i was in these discords and really talented beat makers i was just happy being the guy that would listen to what everybody puts out you know and so mm. it was definitely a journey going from being a, a consumer of music and content to being a producer. And that took, you know, that, that was kind of a journey for me. I it wanted really to is. jump in and specifically nail on that. And this is stealing a question and a point from Drew, because we wanted to find out like, what were the challenges of making that transition? Because in this day and age, so many people are consuming and yet the tools and access to be a creator and producer of content is becoming even more readily available. But yet it's still it's still a scary thing. What were some of the challenges of going through that transition? I would say definitely 90% of it was mental. It's basically struggling with the idea that you have something worthwhile to share. It's struggling with the idea that you might be an artist. You know, I I, I uh -oh. I've only recently uh -oh. 
Yeah, I, I've only recently come to grips <laughs> with the fact disease. that, hey, yeah, I mean, like, who am I? I'm a, I'm a father. I'm an old guy. I'm a physician. I'm not an artist, you know. People like Drew. He's an artist, you know. Oh, People like Bats and Axe. They're artists, you know. <laughs> um, so it was a lot of it was mental, and so that that was the biggest barrier. But um, you find that there is also a creative drive. There's something about us being artists and creative types. There's an urge to create, and if you don't acknowledge that urge, it's just gonna build up and it's gonna explode, right? And so you you would fear getting started on a project until a certain point and go, you know, damn it, I'm gonna do it. I'm just gonna mm. I'm gonna just try making something, you know, mm. and just take baby steps. And if it sounds terrible, fine, you know, you're just sharing it among like some other producer friends, and so. Mm. The other thing that I find it's extremely helpful is, is just to be part of a community. I was really fortunate to be part of two beat making communities, one through Bassnacks and another one through Dressage, who is a, a vocalist and a producer here in LA. And when you find that you're in the community, you're more um, able to take those steps to overcome your fears, to kind of share stuff that just sounds terrible, but who cares? Because we're all sharing stuff that sounds terrible, you know? You find that as you grow together, uh, you get better. You know, you just keep creating, you get better. In the classical music realm, this is kind of like studio class. So, like when I was at Juilliard, we had this uh, this studio called the Oct Studio, A C H T, and it was uh, Misha Amory, Sinian Huang, Heidi Castleman, and Steve Tenenbaum. And they would all get together on a Wednesday evening, every Wednesday, six p.m. And all of their students, all like 40 some of us would come together and maybe five or six of them would play to prepare for an audition, to prepare for a studio recital, yada, yada, yada. And yeah, like everybody there was super good, but also sometimes people would mess up mm-hmm. and it would be kind of embarrassing, but it was just like this kind of family that was very different than everywhere else in Juilliard. Everywhere else in Juilliard is pretty cutthroat. Mm-hmm. But our little environment was like super welcoming. We would give really good constructive criticism mm-hmm. and not tear people down, but be like, I love what you did here. I think this is your golden goose. This is it. Where I think you can make it more effective now, now that we know this is what's important, here's where you can like make it even more effective. And then there's another thing that is super amazing that I've never heard before that I think you should do more of as well. And it just the way you describe it and the way your community uplifts you, it's so interesting that that's now translating to Discord. Yeah, uh, I'd never even right. considered it to be similar. But yeah, yeah, if everybody's like learning, you know, the actions that you would typically see on a YouTube or on an Instagram, we're like, this sucks, you know, that will get you ostracized from the group. Right. And it's also not constructive. So I, thank you for sharing that because I think at least from my perspective, I had never considered Discord to be like a safe space to like share and grow. Right. Yeah. You know, and it, it's something that I really hope that we can build on in the Faking Fam Discord. I, you know, yeah, I, I, I see a big difference in, let's say, classical music world and beat making world. You know, in the beat making world, you have so much freedom to be creative and to explore sounds and to be unique and to be yourself kind of creating your own music, your own ideas, rather than following what's already written and trying to play like so-and-so, you know, it's such a difference. And 
that's something I find that for, for this discord, that's going to be a challenge to build. And we got to find our own niche to, to see what that could be, you know? <clears throat> so yeah. like, for example, could we set up a listening party, you know, where people can just share whatever pieces they're working on? It doesn't have to be perfect. And in fact, we encourage people not to have to submit things that are just like studio perfect. For, you know, <clears throat> so listening party, you and Trevor... And all of us, we can just all share work in progress and you can give feedback. This is what we do in the other discords. And it really okay. builds community, you know? I want to see that. I want to see that. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like in the classical world, it's just harder to have that creativity, you know? But whereas uh, in the beat making world, you, you just, you take a sample, you stretch the heck out of it, you warp it, you yeah. saturate it, you distort, <laughs> and you just go wild, you know? And I don't feel that in the classical world, you have the same kind of freedom, but we could still do it, you know? We could still, we could still try. You can sponsor competitions even, you know? Like we'll have like, you know, a hundred dollars <laughs> to whoever participates and, you know, top three will get a prize or whatever it is. You know, these that. are ideas to get things going in the, in the discord. And it's definitely Yo. something we want to like be, we're going to like continue to like to tr try and grow and emphasize it because that is where the community is. And that's like one of the, the faults of podcasting is that for so many years and just since its inception, it is a one way conversation. Yeah, It's like tricky to go in and subscribe to these things. And yet, because you're listening to it like so close to your ears. It's someone speaking to you. You feel this direct connection with a lot of the host. Like there are podcasts that I've listened to for years where I feel like I know these people personally because they've been speaking to me. They have no idea who I am. I've never actually interacted with them. <laughs> and it's this weird sensation. And now with tools like Discord, particularly looking in at Bats Next server and Dear Evergreens was, I think, the first reason I downloaded Discord was to do research before her episode to join in there. And I went in and I'm like, what is going on here? This is awesome. I just listened to, I think it's CD Baby's sponsored podcast. It was like, is social media dead? Question mark, you know, clickbait title. Right. But one of the things they were talking about is that the numbers are showing that, at least in the younger generations, they aren't flooding and flocking to your big name, Facebook, Instagram, other platforms. Obviously, TikTok, it's huge. But a big place that has seen massive amount of growth is Discord. That's where they're going. And it makes a lot of sense because of the value of community. We love these groups. It's kind of like you get the positive or the nice sides of, of a Facebook group, but without having to do with Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> right. And all the downsides of that, because like nowadays with the algorithms, you know, Instagram, Facebook, these big platforms, TikTok will eventually have to do it. They can't service you everything that's created. They're not showing all of your friends, all of your stuff. It might hit 1% of your friends list and then it's disappeared. Whereas Discord, you're already narrowing in the public square. It's already like hone down into that set community and you can have your own rules within the community and you can self-moderate and you can do all these things within that community, but you get a lot of the positives without dealing with a lot of like the algorithmic issues of larger social media platforms. So it's really striking and it's just been neat to see so many more people beyond just a niche little app for gamers to talk. Yeah. I, uh, mean, I have a lot of friends in yeah. other discords. Uh, you know, they would say the same thing. I'm getting out of Instagram because it's not good for my mental health. 
to look at everybody's perfect performance, you know, and to feel like I'm no good, right? I mean, Drew, you're in that space, you know, you, we can watch your videos and go, oh, I'll never be like Drew. I, I feel terrible <laughs> about myself, you know, but I mean, people are leaving Instagram, you know, Twitter is not the best place to, to build community, you know, mm -hmm. and TikTok is just crazy. You know, Facebook is kind of like Instagram in that sense where people only show their best selves. And, uh, and so Discord is, is, is a good place. It's, it's different. You know, it's a different kind of social media where it could be very positive. So, yeah, so it's been fun. Yeah. It's been fun being part of it. Can we actually talk a little bit about that? Because, like, it's interesting. The community of, like, Facebook or meta, you know, yeah. the, the whole meta <laughs> community, right? It can be very toxic. Mm -hmm. And the way the algorithm works is that it reinforces, you know, controversy. So even if something is like really bad, it does really good on the algorithm, especially if people are commenting their disdain for it, right? But if something's good and it makes people feel less than, the whole concept of it is not to like make people feel bad, at least when it comes to like what I create, that is the last thing that I want people to feel is like, you know, that what I do is unattainable because it, it is, you know, especially if you haven't been following me since like 2013. And if you're seeing me today, I really invite you to go back to 2014 videos, 15 second videos and listen to me then. It, very different player, right? And that's why I don't delete old stuff. I wonder though, because like, even if I do post like bloopers or mess ups and stuff like that, it doesn't really do well. And then you've got those couple of assholes in the comment section. They're just like, <laughs> every time, every time they're just like, why does he have so much followers? I could do that. You know, it doesn't incentivize that same sharing that, you know, like a discord does, but I, I don't, I don't know how one would fix that. Yeah, speaking of your old videos, I, I did go and watch a bunch of them. I've watched your video on uh, how, how to vibrato. <laughs> 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 uh, a oh, bunch of yeah. your how to get into Juilliard. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you've come a long way, too. And that's just the thing that we were talking about. You know, you, for you to get better, just keep producing. Just keep making it. Have you, have you read this book, uh, Art and Fear? No. no. Oh, okay. That's that's really good. Okay, art and fear. But anyway, there there was this one example of uh, a pottery teacher, and he broke the class up into two groups. One group, he says, "I'm only going to judge you on quantity of pots that you make. So make as many pots as you can, and I'm going to judge you on that." And the other half of the class, he says, "I'm going to judge you on quality. So you just make one really good pot, okay? And guess what happened at the end?" So it turns out that people that produce quantity, like they made the most, those people turn out to have the best pots because they just did their craft over and over again. They got better at it and they just knew what they had to do and they improved on their craft just by sheer number of pots, right? Whereas those people that only had to make one pot perfect, theirs turned out terrible because they spent <laughs> too much time theorizing what, what it should be and Anyway, so the point is to get good at your craft, just keep producing, keep at it, just keep going.
you know, because with every success or failure, you'll learn from it and you'll just get better. And I need to take、mm. that advice myself because honestly, every time somebody asks me to collab with them, <laughs> my first thought is, oh, I can't do it. I'm terrible. I, I'm a terrible musician. I can't do it. So I have to take my own advice and just keep going. Me too, brother.、Mm-hmm. Like making,、uh, making beats is, is still like something I struggle with because, you know, I've tried to collab with a few people in the past, they will remain nameless. And I've like sent, you know, my stems and like sent some ideas, and they would just ghost me. And I was、uh, like,、yeah. oh no, I'm trash. Is, are I'm these trash.、Uh, opportunities where they reached out to you or you reached out to them? Um, it, it would be mutual. Like,、uh, they'd be like, yeah, you want to do something? I'm like, yeah. And then we would like throw some ideas around. What I think it really is an indication of is like, I think. In addition to that, if people are wanting to work with you, and Shay, do it, man. I'm telling you, I want to see more collabs from you. I do. And I love that idea of like, I'm actually going to buy this book, Art and Fear. Yes.、Um, I, I added it to my card already.、Oh, it's <laughs> it's not、that. expensive, actually, really good. Yeah. <laughs> books are the best investment you'll ever make. But like, I think, yeah, that iteration, it's like the, the motto of faking notes. Yeah. yeah. You know,、uh, another point that this book, Art and Fear, addresses, you know, it's like I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of mental things when, when you come to creative,、uh, when it comes to making music or art, because your personal self is so tied into what you make. And you're so afraid of failure,、uh, of being judged. It's like, okay, I can work really hard to produce something, put it out there, but what if it stinks, you know? <laughs> and that, that, no, I mean, literally, these are things that go through our minds, and、um, it's definitely a struggle. But、um, this book is excellent because it addresses all that. It acknowledges it and it acknowledges that we all deal with it, and you just have to keep going. And it reminds me of, I can't remember which podcast, but another one of those authors who does the almost like method journalism. <laughs> like, that like embraces, you know, for one year, I will follow the biblical tenets. And he just like lives like that as close as he can just to see what does it do to his diet. For one year, I will, I will do this. And one of the things he had,、uh, I can't remember the name or, or the article, but the premise was, For one year, it was going to be about learning, like how to learn and like learn like a child. And so he does all this research. He's watching all these things. But the example that sticks in my mind is learning how to ski in his 30s or 40s. And like watching his kid, it's, it's like, why, why do kids like pick this up so quickly? And why do they do so well? And a big part of it was fear because here he is. He's a journalist. He's on his freelance healthcare, even though if he's working for the Times or whatever, he's writing books and he's worried about falling and hurting himself. Who's going to provide? And so, way more timid and doesn't get as good as his little kid who wanted to learn how to ski. And he looked at some studies, and you know, an adult might fall. I'm just going to th- throw out some random numbers like 10 times during the course of like learning how to ski on that day. And a kid will fall hundreds of times. They just get back up, they bounce, and they're able to be fearless. They're going to go there because they're, they're not as worried about it. They know, okay, I fall over, I get back up. Me, I'm just like, oh, my lower back. Like, if I break my <laughs> hand, I can't sit on the computer all day.、Uh, <laughs> who's going to pay for this? But the ability to go out and to some degree keep iterating. If I go down, that didn't work. That didn't work. That didn't work. These kids are having 10 times more opportunities to learn from their mistakes, to get better at skiing. And With everything else, that's part of why 
they're able to learn things so much quicker is they haven't internalized a lot of those issues of criticism, right. of like fear of what's going to happen to you that we know happens uh, in the brain. But it looks like a lot of what you've done and through these readings is we kind of have to get back to that sense of play, that sense of overcoming failure, that sense of being able to effectively ignore criticism. Right. Uh, that reminds me of a similar book on art. I think it's The Way of the Artist by Julia Cameron. But anyway, she talks about how a lot of times what stops us from creating is, is all these thoughts. You're, you're already thinking about the end product. Even before you start a composition, you're already thinking, are people going to like this? You know, this is going to do well. And uh, we get hung up and that, that totally paralyzes us in our track. But where she, she says, the better way is just think about how fun it is to create music. You know, how fun is it to sit in front of a computer and write an orchestra score or to just explore a new plugin, try a new sound. I'm going to try this new effect and just think about the fun of the process. And if you, if you do that, it'll get you over the hump rather than worrying about the end product too early. I find, you know, it, it's so weird. I've been playing for 20 years now. And there are a lot of things about what I do that aren't as fun as they used to be. And I honestly, I love playing viola. Like, it is my, my calling. I really feel that. But yeah, the more I do it and like the more monotony that gets put into what I do, it's less fun. And I didn't, I did not expect this, Aunt Shay. Mm -hmm. I did not expect this, man. Like I was like, oh, it's going to be fun and new forever, but it really isn't. And so I'm now in that process of like finding a new way to make it fun. Have you ever experienced that like feeling of like, okay, this thing that was new to me, it was fun and vibrant is now kind of like a dull shade of gray. Have you like overcome that? Like, what are some things that you've done to maybe like add more color to it? Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely the flip side. Uh, like you said, if you want art to always be fun, it may not always be fun. There, there are probably times, I mean, they're not. there's definitely times where you just got to push through, you know, especially it might be fun to start a project, but it might not be so fun to finish it. Uh, I don't know if you saw yeah. the, 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 the uh, Bassnax tweet this morning, you know, yeah. the difference between starting a, a, a demo versus finishing a demo. So uh, <laughs> that's where the, the discipline and just building a healthy habit comes in. So when you get to that point where it's not fun, I mean, sometimes you do need to push through. You just need to push through and you'll come out on the other side and your product, uh, you know, probably will, will be will be good. But on the other hand, if you're totally burnt out, I mean, you do need to take a step back and, and reflect. You know, you might need to just take a break, go for a hike, go for a bike ride, just do something else. What what have you found that's worked for you? At least when it comes to viola, I'm very burnt out on classical music. Not in the way that you would think is like, I still enjoy playing it, but I don't enjoy playing it with everyone. And when you work with people that are either mean, close-minded, or unimaginative, it makes the process seem futile. And so 
like in the rare opportunities I get to play here in Los Angeles, I really don't have a good time because everybody's just trying to play it like Berlin. And I'm like, okay, there are so many other genres in this world <laughs> that we can draw inspiration from. And if this has been done before, why would anybody ever want to come see it? Why don't we try to do something new that no one's ever done before? Even if it is the same notes and the same page. So I, I kind of came to that realization. So now I'm like learning. I like understand why Isai exists. I understand why Paganini exists. Cause it's like, you can only do Mozart and Beethoven so many times before you're like, okay, <laughs> we got to change something. But I'm also learning extended techniques uh, like chopping and more rhythmic extended techniques for playing. Just trying to like add that to my arsenal as well. Um, and also improvising. You've been, you know, you, yeah. you're somebody that's really tried to improvise with hip hop and R and B, and it's been great. I mean, you're not only playing classical music; you're playing Hamilton, right? You're you're playing yeah. musicals. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, and you, you know, you explore other um, avenues, like even rapping. I, I listen to your rap. Oh snap! <laughs> the brothers got bars. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate you, man. I got to get back to the. Get back to writing some raps, man. I've been deep in the crypto right now. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, no. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah. Got to make money. Yeah, I know. I uh, I have to credit you guys for getting me into crypto. What? Yeah. It, it's it's, oh, it's because of listening to your taking notes that I, I started mm-hmm. to just go for it, you know? Wow. Uh, learning about it, you know, blockchain. Smart contracts, <laughs> nodes, <laughs> good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I'm definitely learning from you guys. I don't want to turn this into a crypto pod, but like, I'm like working on another blog post and it's still kind of in the drafts right now but the way i felt about instagram and web 2 i just had this it's like what you said it's like this creative urge that builds up and it's got you got to release it right i felt that with web 2 and i was like oh man this is a slice of the future it's not the full future but i can see this being here in 10 years i feel the same way about web 3 because of the power it enables for people especially people who are from disadvantaged or disenfranchised economic backgrounds. So I'm curious, like what are some of like the most interesting things you've learned through your journey uh, of blockchain that we've kind of led you down? Yeah, I've done a little bit of research just to learn about it. I think my approach right now is just, of course, we all want to make some money and, you know, so people invest to get a return. I happened to jump in at probably the worst time ever. You know, it was like the peak when I when I got in. But, you know, I was cautious when I went in at first and just you know, taking small steps with small investments. I mean, I would say overall, uh, I was when when it when it dipped further, I, I I put in more, you know, investments in it. Overall, I'm still a little bit negative, but mm-hmm. I'm overall positive uh in the long-term outlook. But as far mm-hmm. as the music space, I feel like there's maybe a lot of potential. Um, people are trying to explore different things, and it's up to people like you to figure out, you know, what would be viable, you know, what what would be good. 
So I, I haven't really seen a whole lot of that. I would say like what intrigued me is some of the projects. There's this producer named uh, Oki Sammy. Okay, Sammy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's made some beats and worked with visual artists and sold it in a way that is only available by crypto. And uh, there's only one copy of it, whatever it is. And that was a really interesting idea. But but all in all, I can tell that it's really early as far as you know Web 3.0 <laughs> mm. and how it's going to play out with the artists. But the negative thing that I do see is that a lot of artists are being burned. Their music is being uploaded and minted illegally or without mm. their permission. Mm. It's not illegal, but it's not it's without their permission. And mm. it's a big problem. And I'm not sure how people are going to deal with that. By this time, we'll have dropped a, an episode on that. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Specifically, it's already, it's already in the can. It's, oh, it's next wonderful. Mm-hmm. I will say that everybody who's kind of on the fence of like what this means for music, pay attention to the law over the next five years because there will be litigation for copyright um, and people minting other people's work the way we kind of like described it was like, um, Aunt Shay, do you go to barbershops? Yeah, I used to. I, I now I learned shop. to cut my own hair since the pandemic. Hey, 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 anyway, yes, man. barbershop. Yeah. Okay. You ever been to a barbershop and had somebody come through with like a bag of DVDs that had like a screen print of like the movie? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you want to see, you want to see, uh, next Friday, you want to get next yeah, Friday next- for five seventy five. You know? <laughs> You know, and it's just literally, literally somebody took a camcorder and just set it down. Uh, in oh, the yeah. I've, I've definitely seen those. You've seen the bootlegs. Yeah. I, I think this is like the digital version of that, right? Where, yes, they have the lossless or the relatively lossless version of the MP3, but they are ripping content that isn't their intellectual property. And so they are therefore liable to, you know, legal action. And I think the precedent will be set very soon, especially when it comes to hit piece, because I think they received a lot of cease and desists and mm-hmm. heard from a lot of lawyers. So I think the legal precedent will, will will make this much clearer, but I don't think this is going to be something that happens when the, the market matures. And yeah. it might just be that... It is one of those things to where, just like with that DVD uh, example or more modern examples now, where it can just be the file, the movie file of whatever it is. It looks just the same, but it doesn't have value. It doesn't have that perceived value. Right-clicking the JPEG of the water lilies does not have the same value as the actual water lilies. And so I think we're just going to have very much digital equivalents. That hit piece and other future scams or copies aren't going away they'll still be there but both besides the legal side of things i think like the market precedent is that no one sees value in those so we're not going to run around selling those like who would buy something like that i mean they're obviously scams like people people can and will get ripped off just like they already are now in the non-crypto space but i don't think it's going to necessarily be elevated because of crypto and who knows, it might even be reduced because you can tell authenticity even more effectively in the blockchain space. But the, the only point where I necessarily disagree with you 
is uh, Anche is that you are also part of this conversation. <laughs> you you can directly. You don't have to wait wait on a Drew or, Drew or I or some of the others you're following. Um, just by you already being in in this space and being part of the conversation, you are having an impact on how this technology shapes up. And so, like that's something that at least excites. Drew and I, and like why we want to, we have been brought into this space by very helpful people, and why we want to bring in others is because the, all the tech bros and all of them, they they set up this infrastructure, and we're getting into this new phase, and it's still really early, and so we think it's an opportunity for creatives, for interesting people, for the uh, next generation of people to come in and really shape the direction. We don't have a big massive say on a one-to-one basis on how. Uh, web two Facebook shapes up. I don't have a lot of say on how MasterCard goes about processing fees and who they give money to. I don't have much say on the the laws and the mechanisms and the operational businesses of Amazon. I could just stop supporting their product and then Jeff Bezos would just laugh at me from space in his cowboy hat because I'm not contributing as much to the bottom line. It takes massive amount of movement. But in this particular space, it's a little bit more like Discord. You can have your voice heard. You can form your influence. And while it's still not as as easy as just, oh, I want it to be this way, but there are consensus mechanisms and just communities that actually have influence by their direct voting power, by ownership, or just by our speech and ideas. So that, at least what excites us now, is because we're still early enough, there is a lot of opportunity for you to bring your experience, all that you've done, uh, your ability to like learn that, re- killing out the f- a fear of failure, your experience in the medical field, your experience in the music field, and that like unique combination of those two, you have a say in this, and that's that's what excites me most about the blockchain space. Yeah, well, definitely talking to you guys now. Now I have it on my mental checklist. Okay, another thing to learn. I'm going to go for it, and I'm going to I'm going to do this. <laughs> Can emit my own NFT, NFTs and get it out there. Speaking of which, um, Doom Scrolling. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen to your your release of Doom Scrolling, and can you talk a little bit about where your headspace was when you made this? Yeah, so I was I was actually part of a, a beat making class. It was a beta test class, and uh, one of the writing prompts was Doom Scrolling. And uh, I just decided to go go with that. There were other writing prompts like trying something new or uh, longing for something that you never had. When you join a class, there's all these opportunities to create. So anyway, that was one of the writing prompts. And I just kind of went with it. In fact, uh, we had to turn in something within a week. And I literally, the night before, I was panicked because I had nothing to show. <laughs> I had nothing to show. And so I... Then I just quickly piece something together and I kept working at it and it, it turned out pretty good actually. Yeah. So I do want to say that um, it's so much easier to create music these days. I, I've, even if you can't make your own sounds, you could certainly find samples. And I definitely found some drum samples and synth mm-hmm. samples so that you don't have to create everything, everything uh, out of, you know, by scratch, but you, you, could, you could take what's out there and put something together and there's no shame in that you know artists and beat makers they, the people that really do it they, they have no shame in like using someone else's samples and uh that totally reminded me that you you're putting out something yourself right drew or is yeah. that still a secret 
Uh, it's it's kind of it's kind of a secret, but I guess we can we can we can dox it a little <laughs> exclusive, bit. Exclusive, exclusive. And this is what I was going to suggest for you is like maybe you should mint it as like one of your first little creations, and you know just find an artist. There's so many artists on Twitter that are amazing. You can collaborate with them, go 50-50, and just put something out there. It, wow. it, it'd be really cool. Yeah, I'm working. I'm working on a uh, minting a Bach cello suite movement. It's with a cellist artist that I used to play chamber quartets with in New York. Her name is Amy Kang. And she has these wonderful paintings where she painted the Bach cello suites. Wow. But she did it note by note. And so she uses different colors for different key changes, for different emphasis. And they just turn out to be these really beautiful geometric patterned pictures. And so I was like, yo, what if we did something similar and I recorded the suite and you painted along to it. And it's like, a, we just meant a music video. It could be good for educational purposes. You know, it's another touch point for Bach. Plus we put Bach on the blockchain. Bach. Yeah, the blockchain. there you go. Bach is in <laughs> space. He needs to be on the blockchain too. Yes. <laughs> it's it's the Bach chain. It's like a Bach chain. It. It's the Bach chain. Yeah. No, that's, that's not, that sounds great. Yeah, but uh, don't doom scrolling, you know, it's actually um, something I'm really proud of because, you know, two years ago, like I said, I started producing electronic music. I was a total beginner. I uh, didn't know what I was doing. And now almost two years later, I finally felt confident in, in what I made, confident enough to put it on Spotify and, and yeah. iTunes and all the streaming uh, services. So it's definitely been a journey, you know. <laughs> Yeah. There's a lot of work, you know, stuff in between that I put it in SoundCloud, but I finally <laughs> felt like, yeah, this is good enough to, to to get it out there. I love that you you made the leap, and I'm sure we've all done a lot of research on doom scrolling. I do it a lot. It's it's funny where I've been talking about it. I literally deleted Twitter this morning because I was like, man, I just I just sat around and like 45 minutes on Twitter before. Yeah, I back. saw that. I I saw that. Yeah. I saw that you're taking take a, a break. break. Yeah, take a little just break. Take a little break, and just like I think I might see if I can make a, a habit of that because for the pod we're gonna start getting into TikTok, and so I gotta figure that out. So the whole another ball game. I'm like I can't be bred across all of these. My too brain thin, can't yeah. take it anymore. And I was just doom scrolling. I was just taking in too much Twitter, and what I learn a lot from Twitter more so than pretty much any other platform. It's like I'm spending too much time on it. So maybe I'll just have you know somewhat of a diet on some of these social medias where you just take some breaks on occasion. I wanted to, in kind of wrapping up this amazing faking fam feature, again, thank you for coming through. What is particularly unique besides so much of you, which is incredibly unique and fascinating, is that across all, all ages and genres and different experience levels of our guests and our faking fam, it's across the board. One thing that I think that's like unique that we don't get to see too many things of is support. You're finding support in Discord, in the community, in people saying, hey, here's some advice on this track, or hey, here's how to go about life. We're seeing support in books, but we will hear about people's parents when they're growing up. Yes, they supported me in my art, or no, they didn't, and here's here's the issues about that. But what I think is interesting and unique that we haven't necessarily dug into is the support from like your kids from from your wife like having direct family support from your offspring from your creation your little creations and so what is that like 
you're tapping into younger, this young air quotes, younger music. You're on Discord. You're doing all this super young, super cool dad stuff. What is it like? And, and what is that relationship with your kids as far as having support in you going out and making music videos and making music? Yeah, I, I think support is so important. Like we talked several times in this interview that's, you know, there's fear when it comes to making art. And so in a discord space, I, I think it's so important to support one another, you know, be encouraging, you know, listen to what other people make, you know, give constructive feedback. So that is so important. Uh, now, as far as my family, interesting fact is I'm actually the second beat maker in my family. My, my oldest son, Matt, he's uh, just turned 18. He's actually the first beat maker and he mm. was, he's, He's been making incredible beats on FL Studio. And I watched him oh, in yeah. his room making all this fire, getting hooked up with like rappers and things like that, putting out <laughs> tons and tons of YouTube. And I said, hey, Matt, I, I, I got to learn how to do this. You know, I, I want to try what you're doing, you know. And so I'm fortunate that I have a better beat maker in my house to support me. <laughs> But yeah, definitely, uh, you know, Trevor, you just recently got married, right? Congratulations. Mm, thank <laughs> Congratulations. You. But yeah, there's there's something special about having your significant other support you in what you do. You know, my wife, she is literally my biggest fan and my biggest cheerleader. And I am so lucky and honored that she's there for me. So um, I'm very lucky in that aspect. Uh, the flip side is, you know, we all as artists, we have to spend so much time crafting our music you know, spent hours just sitting by yourself. You really have to pay attention to your relationships. You you need to make time for for your your spouse, make time for your girlfriend. You have to value that because if you don't, watch out. One day you might wake up and things aren't so good at home, and that's going to be trouble. So that's I encourage worst. all all the artists out there I hear work you. on your craft. <laughs> yes, but definitely take time out for your family, significant others. You don't want to be pulling a Kanye. Oh, God. <laughs> you don't want to be pulling a Kanye. You don't want uh, what, uh, uh, Pete Davidson. Oh, man, yeah, Pete. <laughs> it's a PSA. Pay attention to your, your, your relationships or Pete Davidson will come for he's, you. He's coming. He's coming. <laughs> and Shay, this has been such a pleasure uh, and we knew it would be. Thank you again for being a significant part of our Discord community, uh, of many other Discord's communities. And I think this was definitely valuable for all the listeners. And we're excited to continue to learn together, to fail together, to mint NFTs together. Um, but I'm excited uh, about the future of the Faking Fam, knowing that you're part of it. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be invited and be on the podcast. I mean, you you're you're the goat, yeah. man, and, and like <laughs> your 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 support on Patreon as well is like so powerful. And we really want to find ways to learn from you as well um, to help improve the community. So uh, look out for a message from us. Well, we we want to get in touch. Awesome. Till next time. Yes, Till next sir. time. Peace out. <laughs>